Welcome back to League Night, everybody. Today we talk about the other side of the ball. Defense. Do we like a five-man infield? Do we hate a five-man infield? And what is our defensive pet peeve? Stick around. a ton about offense a lot. being in the box yes. yep you trip pitching all of that jazz yep there is another half of the game so it's i've true. been told it's true you know you you do have to score runs but you should also try to prevent runs at best possible which gives you a little bit more room for error when you're not scoring runs yourself that's a good point i think it's it's interesting for us to talk more about defense you know i i kind of want to focus on u-trip defense because it does typically vary pretty significantly from asa defense and seeing as we're playing in a tournament on saturday which is yep. tomorrow uh where we're seeing a pretty significant defensive change uh you being an infielder me being an outfielder it seems a pretty kind of good combination I, you're I pre- converting I, pre- I, I pretend to be an infielder but yes <laughs> converting, converting infielder mid conversion by the way, I cannot see the scar over your left eye at yeah, all on the video. I think it's. I think I can see it, but it's only because I know what I'm looking for. We we can touch that up, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So fun story. We'll, we'll tell that story to you guys <laughs> yeah. listening out there. It's, yeah. So it's fairly humorous. I don't know how maybe it's like a month ago, month and a half ago. We were at a tournament at a big league dreams. So if you've ever been to a big league dreams, they're kind of a cool thing, uh, but they have these um kind of sunken dugouts much like you'd see in a lot of major league parks um so they you know they have a few steps down into the dugout and they've got these metal guardrails and i was playing third base uh i think a ball must have come in from the outfield somewhere and whoever it was supposed to go to either the throw was offline or they missed it or something i don't remember but it it kept rolling and so i'm running over to try to back it up it's getting it's it's pretty slow rolling at this point, but it's still got some movement to it and it's rolling towards the dugout and there's runners on. So I didn't want to, I don't want to let it go in the dugout because then they would get some free bases. So I just run over there real quick and I snag the ball right before it goes in the dugout. And when I did it, I just kind of hit my forehead on that metal guardrail. Didn't hit it hard. Didn't ring me up. Didn't like, you know, didn't feel anything. It just like, if you're just in your house and you left a cabinet open and you just turned and kind of like bonked your head on it, no big deal at all. So I pick up the ball, throw it back to the pitcher. And a few seconds later, I just put my hand up because, you know, you just, when something hurts, you rub it for a second and my hands covered in blood. <laughs> I'm like, what happened? And so I call timeout real fast. Like I'm bleeding. Like, I don't even know what's happening. And it just happened to hit the like perfect spot and just, I mean, it was probably maybe like an inch long, just perfect split, just split right open. It was just blood everywhere. I was like, this is ridiculous. This is this. Yeah. But anyway, I'm like all of a sudden just bleeding everywhere. And it's the, it's the stupidest way to get hurt at softball. Like probably like, it's not like I twisted an ankle or like, you know, made a great diving play and just happened to hurt myself. It was, I just banged my head on a thing, trying to stop a ball going to the, to the dugout and, yeah, so thankfully the other team, though, uh, I mean, our team had some stuff, too, but the other team was super nice. They came over with this, like, big old, like, first aid kit, and I just basically packed it full of Neosporin and put, like, 
three awkwardly placed band-aids so I could still see, but like also try to not have to tear my eyebrow out when I when I take it off later. So it was interesting. And uh, then I just... That's a gamer I, move right there. Yeah, right. I was like, no. And I finished the game, came back in after the blood stopped running in my eye and uh, I could see again. So, you know, take pride in that. <laughs> so you're definitely a high effort guy on the field when playing defense is what it sounds like. I like to be, yes. Um, there's not a lot that bugs me more than... You don't have to be like mega try hard mode all the time, but... If you are below average effort, bugs me to death. If you're below average ability, but you try, I could care less. Like, I'm super happy to play with you. I already pictured the exact individual you're thinking about. There's a a few, but there is certainly one in specific. But yeah, it's below average effort, even if the game means nothing. Just give it... Give it a standard amount. Give it a standard amount of effort because to me, if you don't try at all, that's disrespectful to your teammates. Like, even if, again, even if it doesn't matter, give the amount of effort your team's giving. Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I don't know. And again, if you try and you miss four out of five balls, but you're trying, I don't care. Like, I'm super happy that you're out here playing and you're trying. And if I can offer any help to you to make you get better and you're interested in that, so be it. If someone else can offer it to you and you're interested in that, amazing. I'm happy that you're playing. I really, really am. But when you have some level of ability and then you're just like, meh, I don't care. I'm like, come on, dude. Like, take more than one step to your left to to feel the ball. (laughs) You know, like, (laughs) like, oh, it drives me crazy. Or just so let's talk not about your this. assignments and yeah, yeah. So let's talk about this from the inside out because yeah. you're an infielder. You you know in U trip you've traditionally so far been playing third. Yep, yep. So you're kind of the first line of defense before it ever makes it out to me. That's so. True. You know you've played third in ASA. Yep. You played third in U trip where mm-hmm. you have kind of another guy out there helping yes. you in the infield. Yes. How does that change your approach at third? And also, how, if at all, does your approach change knowing that you're playing with a 44-375 harder softball versus the 52-300 yeah. USA, ASA-style softball? Yeah. As far as the ball goes, um, that usually matters more about the field itself. So last time we played, we had a turf infield. And so I didn't play a whole lot position-wise as far as, like, depth is what I'm really talking about here, Uh, how close or far from the batter. I didn't play a whole lot different than I do in ASA, no matter the turf, because I felt like I've got pretty quick reflexes. Like, I'm not a fast runner by any means, but, like, if you're in my zone, I can usually get my glove there pretty quick. Um, So I wasn't too worried about... You know, knock on wood, I'm not usually worried about taking a ball off my body. Like, usually I'm going to be able to get a glove there. I felt like with steady surface, like turf, I was going to be able to make those plays. Now, we're going to be playing on, I think we are, we're playing dirt this weekend. So if it's dragged, like if the infield has been dragged and it's pretty decent and there's not like a lot of pebbles and stuff in there, 
I might take a similar approach, but if not, I might back it up, you know, five, 10 feet, like play basically just in front of the grass. Again, with San Francisco softball or playing softball in San Francisco, I should say, it's a complete mixed bag on what you're going to get as far as surface in the infield. Like we play there. So there's a field in the the neighborhood called the sunset and it's just called West, West sunset park or one sunset field or something like that. Beautiful field. Absolutely. Probably the best in the city grass infield that is expertly manicured. They probably drag that in. They drag the dirt in the infield twice, three times a week. Like it's beautiful. It's just about as, it's just about as predictable a hop as you could possibly get in a in a natural turf field. Love it. But then, like, we had to play a game at the uh, so Jackson Playground field, especially on the second field. It has dirt in the – or, I'm sorry, it has grass in the infield. But where the grass turns to dirt, the grass is probably an inch and a half higher and then once you get to the dirt, who knows? They they drag that field once a year, maybe. Like it's and it's, and it's also a baseball field. And it's a baseball it field. Softball, so the dimensions are all out of whack. Yes, yes. You're like almost running through grass when you're running the bases. Like, so I would say, again, it kind of depends on the turf um, as far as positioning, and just like every once in a while, I'll take into account like how I'm feeling that day. Like if I'm like. If I'm feeling on top of it, I might cheat a couple steps in just to try to just to try to snag something early or try to catch something before it takes an extra hop, you know, stuff like that. And then vice versa. Sometimes I'll be like, for some reason, I'm not seeing the ball right today. So I'll shade in or shade back rather. Yeah. So, I mean, again, I would if I'm not feeling great, I'll, I'll shade back a little bit just to give myself an extra split second to kind of react. And then, yeah. And, and a little bit, it will depend on how I'm feeling on my throws too. Cause for whatever reason, as of the last couple of months, I kind of went through these, like, you know, just for whatever reason, I was just airmailing everything or just offline on my throws. And then there'd be other days where I was just throwing strikes to the first baseman. So it's like, I kind of take all that into account a little bit. You know, if I'm if I'm having a harder time throwing that day for some reason, sometimes I will actually take a couple steps back. And even though it doesn't give me as much time, it gives me more of a like line myself up to throw and not try to just make like a snap, you know, whatever, but Okay. It depends. And then uh as far as playing with a five man, I kind of love it. I have again, I'm not a fast fast runner. So I would say I'm a pretty good infielder within like two running steps either direction. So if something is within two steps left or right, most of the time I'm getting there and I'm going to pick that ball up. If I have to try to get, you know, five, six, seven steps away or even like deep in a hole, 10 or 12 steps away, that I'm not very, I'm not nearly as good at. Or if I'm like trying to get to something I have to dive, I'm not as good at, which I mean, I guess that's, that's probably true for everyone. But when you're playing a five man, that shortstop is a lot closer to me. And so it's, or most of the time, unless it's a, a lefty or something like that. But most of the time, 
there's a lot less space for a ball to squeak through and I can really play to my strength. I can play even the hardest, the most difficult, I should say, ball I have to get to is three or four steps away because if it's more than three or four steps, you know, to my, to my uh, glove side, that's the shortstop's ball, you know, and mm-hmm. cause they're, they're within that many steps or, you know, they're almost always faster than me. So, you know, they can get, they can get there. Plus just the nature of where the shortstop stands, they're farther from the batter, you know, than the third baseman. So they can, you know, I noticed that cause I played a little bit of second base a few, a uh, few weeks ago too. I kind of forgot that when that ball is hit towards the inside of the field, you can actually take steps diagonal backwards <laughs> to get to a ball. Oh, yeah, you can create more time. You can create more time, which at third base, it's just bang, bang. Like you, mm-hmm. you can take a step left or right and good luck. You know, it's, you don't, you can't really create that depth of play uh, as much. So um, definitely like having the five man um, for infield purposes. Granted, I feel like, well, I don't know. I feel like I saw less or I see less plays at third when we play a five man. I think maybe just because everybody's like purposely like nobody's trying to hit a ground ball through a hole because there's just not that many holes, you know. So yeah. I would imagine that's the reason, but I don't really know. Thinking back to the tournament that we played at two weeks ago in Modesto, I feel like our third baseman didn't get a whole heck of a lot of action the whole day, to yeah. be honest with you. Well, I've noticed And I wonder the- if it goes back to like the style of pitch and the flatter pitches are more conducive to you going middle. Could be. And therefore, that's why you're playing a five-man, but also why people aren't just yanking it down the line like they are in, a- in ASA. Yeah, I think, and I think a lot of it, too, is the higher level you get. Now, we don't play super, super high-level U-trip, but... I would argue, this can go back to our U-Trip versus ASA, I would argue the lowest level of U-Trip is much higher than the lowest level of ASA, like as far as competition and ability of of most players. And so I I feel like the higher the level of play, the better the hitters are, the less often they hit to, at least right-handed batters, the less often they hit to the left-side infielders. Um, Yeah. You know, because if you take any sort of traditional baseball knowledge, the shortstop's probably the best fielder on the field most of the time, mm-hmm. you know? So you don't want to hit it near that guy. Usually he's got range. And then again, by nature, the third baseman is just a reaction time guy, you know? So usually that's not the way to go. You know what I mean? And, and they both sure. usually have good arms. So like, you know, you're, you're much better off trying to hit it to the right side or trying to hit it over those guys than you are to try to hit it on the ground to the left side. So I imagine that's just how it goes. It gets you just get less and less of those plays, especially in softball when you can control where you hit the ball a lot better. You know, baseball is baseball. You know, you hit the ball where you can. You know, where you're where you're yeah. able. And yeah, a lot of them end up going to the shortstop, but it's not because you wanted to hit to the shortstop. You know, so I think when you can make that choice actively, you obviously don't choose to hit it to the best fielder on the field. So, <laughs> Fair. you know, so you try to, you know, and I get, I get the advantage of nobody wanting to hit at the shortstop. So, <laughs> so they, 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 don't, <laughs> benefit they don't, just yeah, they don't as often hit to me. And when we're in a, in a five man too, I can actually crowd the line a little bit more too. So it, it kind of mm-hmm. takes away that, like if somebody's got the skill to really just rope one down the line, it kind of takes that away too. So it just, it's even less enticing to do so. But yeah, I, I I think I prefer the five man. Obviously, it just I don't know, I I don't know. 
as an infielder, I like having a fifth person in the in the infield. As a team, ugh, depends on who you're playing, you know? Yeah, I, for sure. I kind of like having four guys in the outfield, <laughs> depending on who you're playing. But right. again, if you're playing somebody that nine out of ten guys in the lineup can hit the ball wherever they want, you kind of got to play a five-man, you know? Or yeah, they'll just, and I, they'll I think it goes back everywhere. to... It goes back to the level that you're at, and I think in mm-hmm. the level that we're playing at, playing a five-man is probably beneficial because you're not agree. playing at the best of the best hitters. Yeah. But it's also interesting because I feel like at our level, the thing that is sacrificed and why you're playing at that level is because people have one or two skills, but they don't have like all of the skills. Yeah, yeah. And so you kind of see that people can generally hit, but defense isn't always as strong... And yeah. therefore, like our team's team seems to be a better defensive team yeah. than most. Yeah. But where we struggle is the inconsistency in hitting. Yeah. And so, you know, if we were to just put that together, we'd be a really competitive yeah. team. And I mean, and I think I was just looking at the stats yesterday because they keep the stats for these apparently, like team stats. And I think it oh. was, uh, we are. I think I can't remember. We have basically a 500 record ish somewhere around there. We yeah. might be a few games under or over. I can't remember, but our average run scored is like 10 point something, and our average yep. runs allowed is like 11 point something. <laughs> so yeah. it's like if we could just make it 15 and 11, we would be right. in great shape. But yeah, and it's and it's interesting too. I find that this is it seems weird when you say it out loud, but the higher level of play that you get to, the less important defense is. Sure. Now, let me, as I say, uh, kind of let me qualify that as saying that I think when you're at a lower level, like within one team, so like on our team at maybe the lowest level, like if we were playing, well, if we were, I don't, we wouldn't be allowed to play E, um, ASA, but like if we were playing something like that, the the gap between the best defender on the team and the worst defender on the team is pretty big. Like it's a big mm-hmm. gap, you know. And I think as you go up in like levels of play, the gap between the best guys and the worst guys gets a lot smaller. And so there's kind of like a you know, minimum amount of ability no matter who you hit the ball to, you know, as you get up in level, everybody can make the routine play. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, there's still only a few guys that are going to make those like crazy awesome, I ran 90 feet and then dove and caught it type of plays. But everybody who catches the fly ball that's within a reasonable range, you know, all the infielders make the play on the grounder that's hit, you know, a step or two left or right. And I, and again, I kind of think we, we thought about, or at least I thought about this a little bit when we started talking about like either putting together a team or talking about who we were putting on the field with, um, the GSL, the Sharks team, you know, at, at, after you get to a higher level, I start thinking, well, this guy's a better defender, but that probably doesn't matter. We need the better bat, you know? And so, like, it's because, again, the, the gap between the two defensively, while obvious, isn't that important anymore because the guy that's lesser is of a, you know, the the floor, <laughs> the floor is much higher. Stealing sure. stayed the same, but the floor is higher. So, like... I think the other piece of it is just if you look at it from a, the other perspective is when you're in those lower leagues, the yeah. percentage of 
easily fieldable or what we'll refer to as a makeable play. Yeah. Like, you know, we'll always say in softball, you you need to make the outs that you should make. Yes. The percentage of those plays at the lower divisions are more prominent. Yeah. And so that's why at the lower levels, defense is more important yeah. because you're going to get a lot more plays that you should make. And yeah. you need to make those plays because you can't give the other team more outs. And so, you know, to your point, the more you advance into the more competitive leagues, the batters are not going to give you nearly no. as many of those plays. Yeah, which I think, And therefore, the that's why defense is not yeah. as important because the plays that you should make are at a lower clip. Yep. And therefore, it's not as you know, germane to the outcome of the game. Yeah. Because it's simply just, you're not going to get too many people hitting a soft grounder back to the pitcher. Right. It's right. a soft grounder you know, to anybody. <laughs> you, you, don't, exactly. you don't see that very often. Yeah, no, I think you're right. But, and, and again, it's a little, I'm sure it's different though for you as an outfielder because, mm-hmm. again, with a five man as an infielder, I get the advantage of having to cover less ground and honestly having to work less hard as far as like sprinting left, right, you know, all those sorts of things. The plays that are my plays are generally more routine because I've, I've got a shortstop, you know, 30 feet to my, to my left to make his routine play. So like, you know, there's not a lot of those in betweens, but you in the outfield, like you guys got to cover a lot of ground when you only got three guys out there, especially on a hot day. Right. That's got to wear on you. <laughs> yeah. So I think the important thing, you know, playing center field, I think A has a benefit, um, but B, obviously you have to run a lot more. Yeah. It, it's beneficial in the three man outfield playing center field because you more or less can get the entire flight path of the pitch. Yep. And therefore you're able to take a pretty good initial read on where the ball is going to track and therefore where somebody would attack that pitch. So. Yeah. You know, when you see a pitch come out and you see that it's kind of drifting to middle away, you know, you can kind of start shading to the opposite field because that's where you're going to drive the ball if somebody's to swing at it. You know, versus seeing the ball being an inside pitch, you can kind of start drifting to the pole side because that's where if you're going to make good contact, it's going to go. Yeah. Um, So I think that's really helpful, you know, in in four man outfields you still can do that pretty well but there's just less shifting you need to do because you have an extra person in one of those directions right you know but when you have only three guys out there you really need that extra step if you're going to make yeah. those Speed those really is close important. plays yeah. any benefit you can get is going to help the other thing i've seen at least at the levels that we've played is you're not going to get too many hitters that are able to really abuse the opposite field line so as yeah. a right-handed yeah. hitter you're not going to find somebody that's getting anywhere near the right field chalk. Yeah. And so I prefer to almost play my right fielder (laughs) in the right center field gap and really just give them that right field line and just say, Hey, like you said, tip your cap, hell of a play. Yeah. And you know, make sure that your pitcher's pitching middle in. Yeah. Cause you can kind of, you can kind of create an overshift in the outfield just by how you pitch the guy. Yeah. And so having a pitcher that understands, tendencies and you know having the outfield understand how a pitcher is going to attack somebody allows you to put yourself in a better position to field yeah and also just like i think one of the most important things that that i've seen and you know i know that you've played some left field while we're in the outfield is really communicating tendencies just by making sure you pay attention um you know and just saying hey this guy's been up two times and he's gone to right center field both times like 
yeah. Shift him to the right side a little bit, yeah, you know? Make him do something else. Yeah, I think that's one of the things, and you and I in, in Meetup have actually had some pretty entertaining back and forths because <laughs> when we're on opposite I'll be teams. out there playing yeah. left center field, and I see you come up to the plate, and I'm like, ooh, I'm going to take away that 350-foot left center field gap, and then you'll be like, oh, I see him doing that. Let me, you know, change where I'm standing to try or... to go to the right side. Yeah. Um, but I think that at the level that we're playing at, if you force somebody to do something that they don't want to do, the yeah. probability of them being unsuccessful is significantly higher 100%. than if you just play them straight up. And yeah. so, you know, if you see a guy that hits a rocket to left field, pinch left field, make yeah. him show you that he can beat you. And he's either going to do it and you, again, you tip your cap and say, hey, this guy can do everything. Or yeah. he tries and he does what we talked about earlier where he dips his barrel yeah. head and yeah, he yeah. pops it up. And you're like, hey, I might have earned an out just by trying to get them to step outside of their comfort zone. Yep. So I feel like you can do that on defense a little bit more is just manipulate the gaps yeah. to try to make somebody do something that they may not be as skilled or comfortable with. And it yeah. can lean to your benefit while also not exposing you to playing, you know, a center fielder, a left center fielder and a left fielder and say, Hey, here's right field. Take it. Yeah. You know, you're not doing anything thing. that drastic. Yeah. But you're doing it drastically enough that you say, hey, I can give you, you know, 75 feet off the right field line as a yeah. right-handed hitter and say, hey, look, if you can burn me, awesome. I'm not mad. Absolutely. But I have a statistically higher probability of making outs if I pinch you yeah. towards the middle to the left side of the field. And, you know, you can hit one really, really well, but we have more of a chance of having somebody there. Yeah. Yeah, if a guy hits, if a guy's a 700 batter, and then you, but you know he's only a 400 batter, a 300 batter, if you only have the right field line, okay, yeah, he's still going to get three or four hits out of 10, but I'd rather him have three or four hits out of 10 than have seven out of 10 to left field or, you know, to the, to the left center gap or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing that I think is important, and it's probably not something you're going to get in like a casual league, and, it really just talks about how important pitching is, but knowing how your pitcher is going to attack somebody in certain counts. Yeah. Like if you have a pitcher that's really aware of situations and they get a one, two count, they're probably going to throw some junk. Yeah. A lot of times pitchers are going to want to throw something that's high and short and you're going to get people reaching and popping up. Yeah. Or, you know, that you're going to get somebody that's going to try to throw their slider. You know, we played the guy that we played on Wednesday. Yeah. We were talking about in the dugout because he was just, throwing really, really good first pitch strikes and he'd get yeah. leverage on you and then he would throw you stuff that you don't want to hit. Yeah. Even if it's a strike, you don't want to swing at it. And you can't hit it hard if you do hit yeah. it. Yeah, so I think knowing your pitcher and and knowing, okay, he's got two strikes on him, he's going to jam him in on the hands with his slider and the likelihood of somebody pulling it is a lot higher. You right. know, shade that way. Or he's going to throw something high and short, and therefore they're going to reach for it. Like, be ready for that. Knowing how somebody's going to attack a batter can allow you to just kind of put yourself in a better position to be successful in the outfield, especially when you have extra range. Yeah, you just got more room. Yeah, I noticed that a little bit because, um, I again, I'm a converted outfielder, so I've played a lot of outfield. I just, once we get up higher in levels, I don't have the speed that a lot of the other outfielders do, so I don't play there a lot. But Wednesday's game that we played, I was in left field, you were in left center. And... With that four, again, now you've got a ton of range. So, like, that's very helpful in this scenario. But, like, 
I often find that the amount of range I have, which I would say is average, maybe, and then the amount of range you have, there was a lot of in-between that either one of us could actually get to, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, yeah, at a certain point, is it, are you too overlapped? You know what I mean? So I think that's another consideration on when do you, when do you move a fourth outfielder and have another middle infielder is like, do you have too much space? Is it, you know, that's an interesting point. And to that, to that same point, I think in that game, you as the left fielder probably had four or five plays on the fly. Yeah. I don't think I had one. Yeah. But I also feel like two of those that I was moving to my left, you probably could have got to, you know? Sure. I mean, maybe not. It would have been a tough play, but again, if you've got a capable and rangy left center fielder, you can call me off, you know? Like because again, if you're if you're left if you're a corner outfielder and the center field calls you off, you call you get called off, you know? So Exactly. Again, and I so because I played a lot of left field before I moved to, to infield. And I would always try to just think about play to a, play at a spot where I can I would have to make a tough play if the ball was ten feet foul, you know what I mean? So okay. like only go that deep into left field from the foul line, and then hope your center fielder's got range. So sure. <laughs> hard, harder to do that when you got a three man outfield. You got to you got to give up. I think some of that some of that line you know, as a corner outfielder. So yeah, it'll be interesting. I talked to our manager and I think I'm actually going to play left field this week. Okay. Okay. Um, and so I was sitting there thinking to myself, like, well, how does that change my approach? Because yeah. I'm not seeing the ball the same way that I normally would, mm-hmm. um, you know, because I have probably one, if not two defenders potentially kind of muddying the waters there. Um, and then just the flight path is a little different. I honestly think playing on the pole side of the majority of hitters is probably easier because you're not dealing with nearly as much like funk. Yeah, when I say funk, I mean it's like slice. And, yeah. You should get a much truer flight path on the ball, which is is refreshing, but <laughs> just there's something that's just so unique about playing center and seeing the whole picture yeah. unobstructed just allows me to get a much better read on things. Yeah, um, and I, I think too, now I don't think you'll have an issue with this, but I have a feeling some guys do when you're used to being a center fielder and then you play corner, somebody's calling you off. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, cause yeah, yeah. I think as a center fielder, you can be a lot more aggressive, you know, as far as mm-hmm. like, just go after it. And then if you're going after it and the left, you know, left fielder calls it and he's camped, then you can give up. But like that, that's actually what I like in, in a corner is I like the ball that's to the, to the line because I know I can just go for it. You know, I don't. Yeah, even have to no think one, about no it, one's stopping you, know? you but the fence. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, I wonder how much of that comes into play. And again, you've played a lot of ball, so I'm sure you're going to be fine. But I wonder if that affects anybody that maybe doesn't play a lot outside of you know center field, center field. You know, sure. So I don't, I don't know. Um, we'll report back next week. Yeah, we'll report back and see. So, um, anything? Actually, I'm curious about this. So. Often, when there's a ball that's behind the infield in front of the outfield, like where, when I say that, the outfield is needing to charge and the infielder is needing to come back, especially like when you're normally, you're in center field, right? So again, when it comes to the outfield, you call anybody off and they, it's yours, right? Yep. How do you, how does that dynamic generally work? Let's say like the shortstop, or if you're playing a five man, the middle infielder is the one going back. 
usually they need to, at least in my opinion, they need to, the person coming in has a better shot than the person going out. Do you find it that way often? Do you find infielders trying to call you off more often? Do you not see that play very often? It doesn't really matter. That, that's a good question. I think part of it is just understanding how skilled your infielders yeah. are on yeah. those plays. So like, I think about somebody like Carlos. Yep. Carlos is one of the guys that we play ball with on a lot of different teams. Yep. And he has a tremendous ability to go back on the ball from He's a middle at, infield yeah. position and make backwards. a play. You know, so for him, if I see him tracking a ball, he may still be going backwards, but... I have confidence that as long as he gets there, he's probably going to be able to make a good play. Yeah. And therefore, I won't call him off unless like I feel like supremely confident that yeah. I can get there. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I don't want to call him off and then have to make a diving play where it's a 50-50 yeah. because I feel like he still has about the same percentage, if not maybe a little higher, because he's been tracking it the whole time. Yeah. yeah. Or the other thing I look at is, are they running with their back to the infield or are they backpedaling? If you're backpedaling, yeah. you're... Yeah you're representing yourself as having a really good read on it. And I'm not going to call you off unless like I'm going to get there pretty comfortably. Whereas if you're sprinting with your back to the infield, I know you're trying your hardest to get there and it's probably less likely that you're going to. And therefore I would probably feel a little more comfortable coming in on a slide and making a play. If it's going to be, I'm looking over my back and just hoping versus me coming in and making a sliding catch. I have probably a better chance just because I can see it. Yeah, I would say even a sliding basket catch is, I would have to imagine, is a higher percentage, you know, for almost anybody. Like, no matter how good that infielder is, you know, that's that's a higher percentage play than, you know, a Willie Mays, <laughs> you know, from yeah. second base or whatever. So What yeah. I've noticed a lot of is when we're on those 300-foot fields and you trip, mm-hmm. at least it starts out with the representation that you're like, oh, we're playing with a harder ball, therefore it's going to go further. Yeah. And so in the outfield, you're probably starting out by playing at maybe 270, 275. Yeah. And so the probability of you having a play where it's a 50-50 ball in no man's land between the infield and the outfield decreases significantly. Yeah. Just because of how deep you're playing. Whereas if you were playing in a smaller field or you're playing with four guys in the outfield, it's probably more likely that you'll have a close play unless the ball is just up there forever. Yeah. And then it's just... Because then... Especially out here, because again, when I played, you know, when I grew up in the Midwest, in the Midwest, if there's a 10 mile an hour breeze, it's it's a windy day, you know, Mm -hmm. in the Bay, every day has a 10 mile an hour breeze, you know, so like an actual windy day, if it gets up high, it's, I mean, it can go different directions pretty easily, you know, so a really high ball is definitely more troublesome here than it was um, back in Illinois, but yeah, and I think too, and I'll get your opinion on this. When I, whenever I played outfield, and when I was playing outfield with a fence and without a fence, regardless of how many outfielders you're playing, do you? I always preferred having a fence. Like even though the home run is now an option because there's a fence there, taking away the the threat of, you know, you playing at two sixty five and somebody hitting at three ten and then it just rolls forever. You know what I mean? Like. Or even, you know, you playing at 265 and it goes to 95, you know, and now it's going to roll forever. And that's probably a home run. Whereas mm-hmm. if you got a fence, that's a double. You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. always felt that was, 
it was almost like an extra defender, <laughs> you know, like, do you feel the same way? Do you, do you like having the, the no fences? Do you, do you prefer having the fence? Do you not care? I like it for a couple reasons. Uh, the first reason you already touched on it, which is it's like an extra defender. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so you can kind of, what I like to do is play a little bit deeper with the fence and just know that everything, is, I'm coming in on everything. Yeah. yeah. And then if after a couple innings, you're seeing that they don't have the power to get to the fence, you know, you scoot in, but using it as an extra defender and keeping everything in front of you usually allows you to limit the extra bases that people take. Yeah, um, for sure. And it's just easier to track a ball coming in as, than it is to go back on it. And it yeah. limits the possibilities of somebody taking an extra bag or two because it got over your head. Yeah. The only time having a fence pisses me off is when it goes five feet over the fence and I can't get there. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, like if I had I 10 more feet it. to run, I would have run that down. Yeah. Making plays at the fences are fun, but the likelihood of it going just high enough over the fence that you can get it is <laughs> yeah. so low that it's like, the man, that cleared the fence by five feet, and I had to dead stop and run. watch it go over my head. Yep. <laughs> the other thing I like about fences, you know, in the lower divisions is, and we, we touched on this a little bit when we were talking about keeping stats about whether you played in a fence versus an open field, yeah. is I think it gives people the idea that they could try to swing for a home yeah. run. Yeah. And that changes the way that people approach the plate yeah. appearance that they're in. And it leads to more likely them putting the ball in the air with us being able to make a play. Yeah. Um, you know, because yeah. it just changes somebody. They get a little extra excited. They just squeeze the bat a little more, and they say, ooh, if I swing really hard, I can get it over the fence. Yeah. Sometimes they'll get their bat through the zone just a smidge quickly, and yep. it's going to go really high in the air and be a routine out. <laughs> yeah, it's it's those guys that have, you know, they hit their first one or two balls over the fence in BP, and then now they're a home run hitter, you know? Which, again, mm -hmm. not to not to disparage anyone, but... Again, I think this goes back to the conversation of knowing yourself, like knowing what player you are. Like, if you've hit one or two out, you know, our, our, you, you talked to him earlier or talked about him earlier. Uh, Jason, we call him Jay Z. His last name starts with Z. Um, <laughs> imagine that. Um, anyways, <laughs> anyway, not, not the rapper. Not, not the rapper. We don't rapper. play with the rapper, Jay Z. Um, but, you know, he's hit a few out, like, you know, in BP, but I don't think I've, ever once see him try to swing for the fence in a game mm -hmm. like but again that also goes back to his personality of like he plays to win all the time no matter what you know that's that's his game like he is playing what is the right situation what is the right move here and for him the right move is never swing for the fence so like mm -hmm. a guy like that you don't worry about but i've definitely seen you know the the guy who hits one home run every 55 at bats but knows he can do it, you know, and then he also flies out three-quarters of the time because of it, sure. you know, so it's... And he's yeah. the guy coming back to the dugout. Man, I just missed that I one. I just missed it. Man, it, it was 50 feet short, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> but, yeah, it's... Yeah, yeah, so I, I think, again, it goes back to knowing yourself when it comes to that sort of stuff, but, yeah, you can definitely take advantage of those kinds of batters in lower levels as a defender you can take advantage so I, I get that i get that for sure yeah i mean anything else about defense you can think about that is you know weird interesting that we didn't touch on i mean i don't know don't get me on my soapbox about sometimes making the decision not to throw the ball let's get on a soapbox i like soapboxes oh, let's talk about it i 
Again, is there a softball equivalent this. of a soapbox? <laughs> let's, let's get on. Uh, I don't really. I don't know if there is. Maybe like one of those big the cooler, boxes. The ice chest. Yeah, Let me get on get, the ice get chest. On the, get on the cooler. Yeah. Oh man. I, 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 this is there my is, pet peeve of mine too. So what? Especially in lower divisions of softball, mm-hmm. you just find that people make that throw. You know, the runner in the back end of a double play is five feet from the plate yeah. or five feet from first base, and you just caught the ball at second. Yeah. Don't throw that ball. Don't throw it. Don't, Don't throw do that it. ball. Don't do it. You know, the <laughs> probability of you getting them out is minus 1% out of a 0 to 100 scale. You're not going to get them out, but the probability of you throwing that away and giving them an extra base is significantly yeah, especially higher. Especially it's a hurried throw, you know. Yeah. I think yeah. that's the most, like, difficult thing as an outfielder, and I'm not saying that outfielders by any means of the imagination are uh, excluded from making poor sure. throws. sure. But when you sit there and watch the ball get thrown around the infield for no reason, it's so, so frustrating. I know, I know. Um, And so, like, I try to commend people when they don't make the throw all the time to, like, encourage that behavior. And the outfielder representation of that is missing the damn cutoff. Yes, yes. Or the guy is halfway from third to home and, Mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're... you caught the ball at 285 and the guy is already done tagging and you try to throw it home. Like there's no yeah. way anybody's getting that out, but you still throw it. And then now your infielders and cutoff men are scrambling, trying to knock the ball down. It gets passed. It rolls around the backstop. And the guy that was on first is now on third instead of, you know, on second, you know? <laughs> like so, it's- so this brings up actually like a really interesting question for you. And this probably the kind of the last thing that we would cover on defense, but with a five-man infield, yes. how do things change with cutoffs between the infield and outfield with an extra guy there? <laughs> to be honest with you, I am so glad that I don't play middle infield <laughs> or shortstop or second base because I have no idea. Like, <laughs> Fair. I, I assume, again, because again, I'm new to infield and I've, ne- I've played very respectively to playing standard infield, I've played very little five man, but if I'm just like spitballing strategy, that's, I have no, (laughs) I have no knowledge actually of, I would think the, the guy that's in the middle of the field. So like if you shifted, you know, like let's say you shifted and whatever, like the second baseman is right behind second base or something like that, or the middle fielder is right behind second, or you shifted the other. I would think whichever guy is behind second base is going to cut off anything, unless it's like hard to the left, hard to the right. I would guess, because that way there's no question about assignment. Or or mm-hmm. you, you just designate one guy. Like you say, what the middle, yeah, like, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I would I would guess whoever is farthest to the side of the ball that it went to is probably the cutoff. But okay. L- let, the us thing, know. <laughs> let us know. Let us know if you right? know. If there's I think one of the most section, put it in there. <laughs> the most important thing that I've seen with five man that just can't go underemphasized is the need to communicate amongst yes. the three middle infielders and the pitcher. Yeah. As far as like who's gonna cover second base and a comebacker or yeah. Who's going to cover second base when it's, you know, when it goes to second base? Because you've got the five man that's up the middle. You got the shortstop that's up, you know, in the five five hole. Somebody's got to get there. Yeah. Um, and I feel like sometimes it's kind of one of those. I look at you. You look at me. Are you doing it? Okay. Yeah. Like, cover. But 
identifying that <laughs> because a lot of times what you'll see from a second baseman in a five-man infield is they'll be playing five to ten feet into the grass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're not going to get there on a comebacker or a you know a throw or a grounder to shortstop. Right. So that five man's got to be aware of where the second baseman is or the shortstop is and know, is this mine? Do I need to cover? Is the pitcher going to get there? And I think that is one of the other things that I see a lot more is how much the pitcher is involved in covering a base yeah. with a fifth man in the infield because you kind of almost have the freedom to back up and spread yourself out a little bit more. But yeah. it also limits the amount of time you have to get to a base to cover those force outs. Yeah. And therefore the pitcher kind of helps out a lot more in those scenarios than if you were in a four man infield. Yeah, I would I would tend to think if the ball is stay like if the ball's not going to leave the infield, like if it's a ground ball in the infield, you would almost just you would just have to I mean kind of go back to like your old school baseball fundamentals. There's obviously an extra person there, but you know, if it's hit to the left side, if if again if your middle infielder is standing if he's playing right behind second base and you've got to take three steps forward to to be on second for you know a throw to a force at second or something like that do it but like anything on the other side again unless that guy's standing right behind the base it's just whoever's whoever's positioned initially closest to the bag I would think but again I can see how that can get confusing and you gotta you gotta call it and our captain for this use trip team. He likes a lot of times, even when we play ASA, he likes to say, hey, I got the bag. I got the bag. Mm -hmm. And I think at a certain point, you'd be like, dude, don't have the bag. We got like 30 dudes out here that can cover that bag. You know, so like I think maybe sometimes, especially when you're playing a five man infield, you can take some responsibility off the pitcher's plate and say, hey, man, Mm -hmm. just go get the batter or get that batter to put it where you want him to put it. And don't worry about you know, covering a bag or whatever. Now, thankfully, again, our captain now, Jamie, like very high baseball IQ, softball IQ. So like, I don't think it affects him. Like it doesn't seem to, at least as far as like knowing he's got to cover or saying he's even like, Hey guys, I'm going to cover second. Like, I don't think that affects his pitching at all, but you know, I could see how it could be if you're like, I got to remember like 10 things, you know, well, just pitch. We got it covered, you know. So right. Well, especially too, a lot of these U trip pitchers, because of the prominence of people going back up the middle, they're yeah. wearing shin guards and a helmet, and yeah. you know, Can't it's going to take them a half step longer to get there than if they weren't wearing all this, you know, gear yeah. on. Yeah. Trying and therefore, it could be a bang bang play that if they cover instead of the you know the five man, it might result in a safe versus an out. Yeah. Yeah. I think. I think, as much as the middle infielders can take care of themselves the better again because you can take care of it when you've only got four infielders so Mm -hmm. i think but i think you're right i think it's just communication i think as long as as long as everybody knows what's going on then you're going to be good you know like because again you should have too many guys to cover the base so somebody's going to cover you should have too many guys to get the cutoff so somebody's going to cut off and then, I mean, you got somebody else left over. I don't know what they do. Again, like, <laughs> if you if yeah. you know, let us know because I have no idea. I should probably ask somebody just in case they put me at second base sometime. <laughs> it's probably good good knowledge to have. I don't know, but yeah, it's yeah, it's an interesting dynamic there. That every time we've played, they seem to know what they're doing. So I assume that they've got a they've got a system. I just am not privy to that system. So <laughs> if you don't know, ask somebody. Yeah. Right. Right. So, 
I don't know. I don't know. But, yeah, I think unless you got anything, I think that covers defense. I mean, honestly, that's more about defense than I thought we were going to be able to come up with. Sometimes sometimes softball gets uh, gets lost in offense. You know, it just nobody, right. nobody thinks about defense anymore, unfortunately. It, but. It's kind of like in the NFL where – there are still special teams, and it can make a significant yes, impact yes. on the game, but no one ever really talks about yeah. it. Or college, you know, unless you're Alabama, like, who really plays defense in college football? <laughs> you know, I mean, Fair. I don't know. Maybe that's just my perspective. I'm a big NFL fan, and I'm not really a big college football fan. But every time I watch college football, football, I think, where is the defense? Like, where are they? Like, they're just they're roadblocks. They're not they're not stoppers a lot of times. So <laughs> I'm sorry, all of you collegiate defenders. Uh, but I don't know. I just, I, I imagine there's a huge jump when you go from college to NFL. It just seems that way. But yeah, softball, I don't know. It matters, but at it least, doesn't sometimes. At least when you're playing on league night, defense not important. It's not. It doesn't, it doesn't get that important in league night. Uh, but yeah, tournaments, it definitely plays a much bigger part. That's for sure. Or higher levels of league, which it's not even always easy to find, you know? I mean, I think about it as a defender, other than if you hit like a home run in a very high leverage situation, I get way more juiced up about my infield turning a double play than any home run that anybody's going to hit. Sure, sure. It's I would have, I would argue it's more rare, um, and sure. it takes a lot more coordination, and it takes, you know, I guess, yeah, I, I guess I would say it takes more skill. Like, you can whoops a home run. Like, oops, didn't mean to do that. <laughs> It's pretty hard to oops a double play. Like the only yeah. time you oops a double play is if you the first baseman catches a, a line drive and has takes two steps to first base because the guy didn't try to even think about tagging. Like, you know, that's yep. again, that's an oops double play, but that's very rare. You know, it's mm-hmm. very rare. Double play is a is kind of a it's like a thing of beauty, you know. A home run is a like sweet, glad that thing happened, but like a double play is a Whoa, did you guys see that, you know? So Right. And most of the time it seems to like end an inning too. So you yeah. get to run off the field with that excitement and carry it into the batter's box yep. in the next half inning. So that's always really Big fun. Big momentum too. shifter. Big momentum shifter for sure. Yeah. Puts it puts it in your corner for sure. So yeah. Yeah. A good double play is is a huge momentum shifter, especially when you're play, when you're talking about league night where defense is not nearly as good I would say or maybe I don't even know if the defenders aren't as good or if the effort just isn't as much not to get to the point of no effort but a guy who's a 90% effort guy might only give 70% at league night (laughs) you know whereas you know when it's tournament time that guy turns it up you know so it may be it may have something to do with that too. I don't know. I mean, let's be honest. How hard are you going to be playing against a team wearing a bunch of Hawaiian hula shirts? You're <laughs> that's not. just distraction. That's what that and is. And that's exactly why we wear <laughs> the Hawaiian hula shirts. Because how more how much more demoralizing is it than when you get beat by a bunch of guys that look like they bagged your groceries at Trader that's Joe's true. earlier that day? Maybe night? they did bag your groceries. We don't know. It's it's possible. <laughs> it's possible. But those yeah. those Trader Joe's guys, they do know how to ball. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't put up thirty one on a team and you know. And then because it was I think it was the last, I can't remember, was it the first playoff game or the last game of the regular season? Because there's two divisions for that, or there might be more than two, but there's at least two divisions for that league. And 
we played a team that was undefeated, right? They were undefeated, mm-hmm. and they had There's, like there was eight D divisions. There was throughout that the many. There's eight. Cow. Yeah. Well, even then, they won their division, obviously undefeated, and they had a pretty big run differential, if I remember. They were right. eight and zero with like a plus one hundred run differential. Yeah, for eight and then, games, and we ten run ruled them, I think, didn't we? Like we definitely. It wasn't close. It wasn't close. I mean, not that they played poorly, but I can't imagine they came into the game expecting that. <laughs> you know, because no. we had like an average-ish, you know, like record with some sort of run differential, but it wasn't. It wasn't, you know, impressing anyone. That's for sure. Yeah. So. Yeah. Shout out Team Trader Joe's plays Monday night for the D Division title. That's true. That's uh, we will, true. We will let you title. know how that goes as well. Um, we are playing a team that is actually in our division. We played once on oh, Tuesday night okay. and lost to them 9-7. Ooh, uh, that hurts. Cam likes to say that we lost because he wasn't on the team that day. <laughs> I wasn't there. So I wasn't we'll see there. if that is actually an accurate representation of the truth. It's probably not, um, but I like to say But it. hopefully we can come to you on this podcast next time wearing... <laughs> The Champions. San Francisco Championship long sleeves <laughs> and hopefully one of these rings from these U-Trip tournaments. Oh, that we're man. Playing out on Wouldn't Saturday. that be crazy? We get to come back with hardware, I guess, and software, I guess. We, we might have to play Ice Ice Baby <laughs> as the intro song. <laughs> we'll get shut down so fast for, for copyright infringement. But Yes. Well, right. We can sing it ourselves, though. That's, I think that's we true. lose we can any we'll listeners that we did have if that happens. They'll, they'll all be gone once we sing Ice Ice Baby, though. They won't yeah. want to stick around for any more, but... Even though we have decent content, I think so. I think so. We'll we'll see. We've got a lot of we've got a lot of things on a list to talk about in uh, upcoming weeks. So uh, hopefully everybody enjoyed it. Um, we've been talking for like two and a half hours. You guys won't have to sit through all two and a half hours of it. We'll uh, we'll cut it up nicely for you. But um, yeah, thanks for listening. If uh, if you hadn't listened before, we appreciate it. We'll catch you on the diamond. Oh, catch. We got a catchphrase. We got a catchphrase. <laughs> I love it. Thank you for watching, everyone. We really appreciate it. Depending on what platform you're watching us on, like, subscribe, leave us a comment. Anything you can do to let us know that you like what we're doing here, we really appreciate it. We'll see you next time.